listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 96 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast. We can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our guest is an acclaimed, award-winning writer of novels, comic books, short stories, and podcasts. He's the author of Star Wars, Poe Dameron, Free Fall, the Pete Fernandez Mystery Series, and the upcoming Secret Identity. And up until a few days ago, shared the presidency of Archie Comics. However, he was just recently announced as the senior VP of sales and marketing at Oni Lion Forge Publishing. Alex Segura Jr., welcome to Cinemental. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, good to have you here, and, and uh, congratulations on the new gig. Uh, I had to, I had to, I had your bio already written and ready to go, and then I, the news dropped on Monday, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, I got to go change that." So uh. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I sort of updated it uh, immediately in real time. Like somebody just said, "Oh, you need to update your social media pages," and I kind of panicked. <laughs> <laughs> That's the world we live in today, I guess. I know, right? It's like, what? It still says you work for Archie. You haven't updated everything. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> it's like I, I, I've, I've seen that exact situation where it's like where someone will news will come out about somebody and I'll hit one of their social media things and like it's already changed. So it's like clearly they were uh, thinking that way. But it's like I would I would never even think to do that. I had it until someone like you said, someone would point it out to me and go. Oh yeah, I guess I have to go change all that stuff. I gotta fucking go to late. How do you I do, I do it? I just, I just didn't do it. I guess as quickly as <laughs> I should have. Like, so a friend of mine brought it up, and he was like, "You need to update this and this and this." I'm like, I don't even go to LinkedIn. <laughs> right, and then you then you forget about the places that you do have accounts at, and you're like, yeah. "Wait, people follow me there? Oh, really?" It's like, holy cow! So what? Uh, we'll jump in and uh, we'll suffer from consumption and get it out of the way quick. <laughs> so, uh, Lay, what do you got? I watched a couple movies. Um, Excellent. Oh, movies, actual movies. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> one I had seen before, one I had not, and they're both related. And that would be uh, Borat 1 and Borat 2. Uh, I've been wanting to watch the sequel for a while and kept putting it off, putting it off. I finally watched the first one again and laughed my ass off. I think it's an absolute classic. And uh, every time I watch it, I see more stuff in it. And, and I never... Never am not laughing at what I'm seeing. I was really surprised by the second one for many reasons. One was I, I thought it was great. Two, uh, it, it's a it's a feminist movie. I didn't realize this until about halfway through when I realized what he was doing. I mean, this movie, besides going after our favorite former president and his administration <laughs> and all the people that support him. Clinton? Uh, yeah. President Clinton? <laughs> Hey now, <laughs> that's the outside the box analyzation of Brian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is a slam not only on that, but on on just male culture in general, and like you know the so many different 
misogynist I guess tropes would be the word and it's really smart how he plays it and how they whoever wrote the script like really planned it out well and wanted to relate to the old movie but while bringing in new stuff it's not a throwaway movie by any uh, stretch of the imagination especially because they made it during the pandemic or partly during the pandemic and it's it's great it's really funny there's some scenes that are so cringeworthy where it's it's just like in the first one you just you're watching it and you're like oh man you're just thinking about what it would have <laughs> taken to film that scene and there's a few of them in there and then of course there's the scenes that where he actually snuck into places and yeah. and filmed Mike Pence and stuff and it's just great it's just it's just great to see someone do that and get away with it and come out with an artistic product with worth and that that makes me happy he's absolutely fearless that guy yeah, and it's 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 you know it's funny. Uh, what's what's her name? Who who is nominated for the Oscar? Uh, uh, and again, it's terrible that I don't know her name. Uh, playing her daughter, his daughter. Is that right? What is her name? We need to say her name because she is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, she she's so good. She's so every time she's on screen, you are you you want more of her. Uh, uh, Maria Bakalova is her name. Uh, gotcha. She is. She is unreal in this, how she transforms back and forth. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's great to watch. It's just great to watch. So anyway, nothing about that. I watch, watch that. I watch, you know, as I've said on previous podcasts, uh, my daughter and I are watching ER. So we're in the mi- middle of season four. And uh, I had forgotten that uh, Mariska Hargitay oh. had, had a role on it. And she oh. had a recurring role on the show. And it's just fun to watch her as this mousy little, like almost secretary character before she took on the biggest role of her lifetime that she's still uh, yeah. performing at this juncture. And that's cool to see her, you know, at the beginning of her career. And 22 seasons on the same show. That's just that's crazy. Unbelievable. Just amazing. And then the last thing I watched. Who are we talking about? I don't even know who we're talking about. Mariska uh, Hargitay. Mariska from uh, uh, Law and Order. SVU. SVU. Okay. Not in Hassan's wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I stopped lawing and ordering uh, quite a while ago. <laughs> well, even if you started it, you would have seen her, but I mean. Maybe. Yeah, probably. I probably I'm know sure. who you mean if I if I seen her face. So, yeah. yeah. Well, she, it's guess. just weird to see her in anything but the role she plays on Law & Order. She yeah. really doesn't do anything else. So, um <laughs> or, maybe, or maybe she doesn't. I don't know about it. Does she, Steve? You watch a lot of Law she, and Order. Oh, she, she's a special victims unit. She's the leader now. Yeah, right? yes. she's a, okay. she runs, she right, runs the squad now. But uh, okay. she, well, she was always on the show from the beginning, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she has been in other things because I've seen her. I've seen her show up, and we were watching something one time, and she showed up, and I'm like, "Hey, it's Liv. What's she doing here?" She's not a cop. What's going on? What's yeah, the exactly. She was like, <laughs> she was like the best friend or something in some awful she pulls out a gun yeah and <laughs> she pulls out and says freeze um and um the last thing i watched was uh i started watching season two of the boys did and you watch, watched, did you watch season one? Oh yeah okay all right i love okay, season one I, I love the show <laughs> and um season two starts off really well with the first episode and I'm sure you three aren't going to be happy with this sentiment, but I feel like the show is doing its best to end the superhero genre. That's what, that's what it feels like to me. It's like the writers are trying everything possible 
to just absolutely put the superhero genre to bed. Now I might be completely wrong. They might be huge superhero fans or comics fans or whatever, but that's the, that's what I get from watching this show. And that's, that was my original critique of it, of, uh, because of what's his name. I don't think he likes, I think it's a, I think it's a deconstruction of superheroes. I think he, I think he doesn't, I think he doesn't like comic books in general. He doesn't like a lot of comic book tropes in general. And so okay. he, but he uses comic books to kind of deconstruct or, 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 I mean, it's a negative. I'll put it in a negative light to denigrate comic books. <laughs> um, so, yeah, know. yeah, that's a good way to describe it, actually. Um, this is I, Garth, I, this is Garth Ennis we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Along uh, with another critique I have of his, but it's that's really, um, impolitic. So I'll leave it out. <laughs> I'll say okay. it some other time. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but no, I, 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 I personally, uh, you guys know my opinion on not on. I don't read comics, so I can't really, you know, comment on them one way or another. But, but superheroes, <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not, not the most fond of as far as continuing right. to make superhero stories. So I like what he's doing, what they're doing on the boys. I like. Even if it's a what you know, as Hassan is putting it, a, a negative thing that he's negative angle he's taking with it. I enjoy the show and I think it's it's fine with me. So I we watch that and I think I watch that and that's it. I don't really have anything else. I re- I've been almost I've been reading a book again that I've been reading for a while and uh, I'm oh. getting close to the end of this book. So oh, for, thank Christ. I know I, I I I had gone slow for a few weeks, but I'm I'm almost over with it so i'm, I'm not rushing anybody <laughs> <laughs> this is the first, this is the first volume of hassan's uh book series by the way alex so oh no i was talking about good night moon oh yeah. all right <laughs> yeah. good night moon yeah me i'm too. almost done with it <laughs> uh, mariska hargitay's first film was ghoulies believe it oh, or not right. oh <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> but it's Amazing. great because you get to the top of her acting thing her like most recent thing and it's like Special Victims Unit, show all 494 episodes. <laughs> 22 years. <laughs> it's like, holy shit. Uh, Hassan, what do you got? I watched a documentary, which will be self-explanatory from the title. Uh, I was there when House was invented. It's about house music. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you meant the TV show. <laughs> yes, I was there when the, the TV show House. I, no, it's actually going all the way back to I was there when houses were invented. So the oh, first guy was like, you know what we should do? We that's, should build something in these woods to keep the rain off of us. Yeah, right. that, okay. that, would, uh, <laughs> that would have some serious research involved. Yeah, well. Who you know, invented it was, the house? It was an, an in-depth uh, uh, documentary. Um, right. I watched this. I watched another documentary, uh, Good Old Frida, about the secretary for the Beatles. Weird uh, niche oh. kind of music hole to go down, but it was really great. It was pretty awesome. Huh. Should I? Never mind. Uh, I watched an episode of The Bad Batch. <laughs> I watched an episode of the the latest episode of Clarice, which is closing in on its uh, on its season finale already. There was some uh, backlash for is it the Buffalo Bill character they created, or maybe not Buffalo Bill? Not yet. We haven't gotten to Buffalo Bill yet. There's, they've been, they've spoken about Buffalo Bill. Uh, it was something. Well, I probably shouldn't mention it then. But some characters created, and they said it was a uh, or maybe it's coming a character that was transgender, maybe. 
there is a transgender woman. I think that are, the yeah, show. they weren't happy with how they're being portrayed or something. I don't know. Someone's always bitching about something, so I don't even care. But, you know. Whatever. Okay. I have to say, uh, I had not seen <clears throat> a whole lot of stuff about Clarice. You know, and I know we had talked, Hassan and I had talked about uh, catching up with it. I, I attended a virtual licensing show presentation this week because licensing show is normally this week. Oof, that sounds like, wow. Did you, how, did you have to sleep in after that? That sounds... <laughs> No, that no, sounds no. seriously exciting. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was sleeping. <laughs> sleeping is the it was the key thing I had to try and keep myself from doing <laughs> because they literally regurgitated their entire presentation from the year before, oh, except with updating it with stuff for like two years out, but basically just rotating all the same shit in. But needless to say, it was uh, they had a whole section on Clarice because it's one of their shows. So I was able to actually see a lot more of what the show i think what the show is about and i actually am more interested in checking it out now so that was the one successful thing that came out of that on their part so mm. uh, it's, it's very interesting like you know it's got a lot of baggage because of all the material that came before it right, right? but uh course, yeah that's... you know it's one of my favorite books so i'll you know it's just had a loyalty kind of situation but i like it though i'm enjoying it um it's a prequel right no it's an intequel because it's after <laughs> Silence of the Lambs, but it's before Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of in the middle somewhere. And, and who because, knows where it's going to go. Of, because of the way that the, the story and the, the licenses are broken up over Silence of the Lambs, they cannot mention, they cannot say the word Hannibal in Clarice at all. It's so dumb. God, is that they dumb. can't say his name. Really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't yet. They have okay. meant, they have referred him as the cannibal a couple of times. The so right you know who they're talking about. Oh, but right. uh, that's right. good at least that yeah. they do that. That's a big that's thing. That's so strange. Yeah, because Gaumont owns the rights for Hannibal. Who's that? Gaumont? Uh, Gaumont. It's a, uh, originally a French uh, film and television company, but they're the ones who produced the, the, uh, the Hannibal TV series. Okay, so they obtained it at that point, and now they own it. Well, they they hold the rights to it currently, so that's well. They didn't they hold it. the rights to it when Silence of the Lambs came out. That's true. So they got it after that, and now they're being babies. Yeah, because Silence of the Lambs came out in what 1979, 81, something like that. Uh, 91. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs. 1991. Okay, there you go. Hassan, what else did you watch? I'm uh, not gonna watch episode of uh the, another episode of the Equalizer. I'm I'm loving the show now, so I'm a devotee. Oh, good. It is it is what it is. I watched Sons of Sam. Now, didn't you say you'd seen Sons of Sam? Yes. So then, why'd you act like you didn't know what the hell I was talking about when I texted you about it? The very very first time. Never mind. <laughs> In the middle of the week, I texted you about Sons of Sam, and it was like, Maybe and then Lathan was like, "Hey, blah, blah this. I haven't seen it," and I was like, "This is <laughs> bullshit." I know that both of you have seen it. And anyway, so no, Latham hadn't seen it. I don't think I even responded. I still haven't seen it. You just no, ruined it again, Hassan. Yeah, you've no. seen it. You no, I've not seen lying it. Trash. The Sons of Sam, you the Netflix human series? trash. I hadn't seen shit. I've been spending all my time reading this goddamn book. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, I watched Sons of Sam. It's really good, Lathan. Right. You should see it. You should you should watch it. Oh, I'm gonna watch it now. It's even really I feel it, like I, I already have. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> we haven't ruined anything. Yeah, especially is at it the about end. the uh, son of Sam serial killer David Berkowitz. 
Well, you knew that going in, didn't you? Oh, I didn't. Not until you mentioned it. You did, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Really? All right. All right. All right tell you That's what, okay. I'll, I'll take it on anyway. Tell I'll you, try and pretend I don't remember. Tell it. you what, Lay. Why don't you just not watch it ever? How about that? Well, then I won't have any more jokes to spew. So I'm going to I'm going to watch it. There, there weren't really jokes, though, you know, oh, no. like all this time anyway. So, I mean, you know, it's but not it's not I'll a big watch loss. It to create the first joke. How does that? It's sound? not it's not it's not robbing the show of anything. It's just what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm just, you know, but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's fair enough. <laughs> I saw uh, I watched the, the movie Those Who Want Me Dead or Those Who Wish Me Dead. Yep. So did I. Do you watch it, Alex? I haven't. Oh, OK. I want to. It's on my list. Yeah. Hey, you don't really want to. Yeah. Um, oh, don't go there. Spoiler! I'm thinking it was that good. That's all I'm saying. I watched the mid-season finale of the Nevers. That last episode was interesting. I don't know if it's interesting enough to hold on to me for another for another year and a half or however long it'll take them to do the rest of the season. Okay, but who knows? Yeah, I saw some posts about it. And it seemed that people said they uh, it seemed to be overall getting that the last episode made it uh, a better product overall. So, but yeah. It's very, it was very ballsy to wait to the last episode of this half season to to try to explain a lot of things because they, you know, throughout the season, throughout the the first uh, five episodes, they would disperse little pieces of information that you couldn't possibly put together because you didn't have a key piece of information that would not be revealed until episode six. <laughs> so <laughs> most of the time, you're watching, you're like, did I miss something? Like, what are they talking about? Like. What are... <laughs> But that's good, though. I mean, you know, keeps you guessing. It's it's good if you stick with it. You know, it's risky. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's risky the way people are now. I mean, there's you know, the Mandalorian's very simplistic format, story format with a half, usually uh, only the length of 30 minutes. And people were, you know, people criticize it or, excuse me, uh, scrutinize it all the way down to its into the rivets. Right. Yeah, so it's Star Wars, though. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's and it, it's not a problem, but I'm just saying so. It's just a, for the sake of expedience, people don't seem to have patience for that that sort of attempt at storytelling. And I'm not even sure if they got it right. You know, I don't. I'm not even sure if they told the story correctly. You know, I'm not. In, in my opinion, in, right. um, just because of uh, just because of just how flimsy it, it kind of felt. There we go again. Sorry, right, don't worry about it. There's a <laughs> apparently a kaiju in the park across the street. Oh, nice. Yeah, and then uh, the episode of last week tonight. Another episode of Mayor of uh, Eastland, which that episode was pretty good. I got to um, say, I, I heard I, there was a big reveal on or a big, big thing. Happened well, there was a big re- thing happened. I don't know about a reveal, but a big thing happened. I did. Finally, happened someone, sorry, Stevie. Go. No, I was going to say I did finally see a commercial for it. So I actually know what you're talking about now. And it, and it <laughs> does. And it does look good. So. Yeah, I need to check it out. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It's got Kate Winslet. So how, how bad can it be? You know, yeah. it's it, it's already it doing a sequel. That's how popular it is. It's already it's it's very guilty of taking its time. Just going to let you know. So it's like, <laughs> That's like right. slow burn. I, I don't know if you, if you want to call it a slow burn because nothing really burns. There's you no, know, it's just it's more. Smoldering. It's not. Yeah, it's not like a smolder. It's like watching someone build a fire for five episodes and okay. then and then strike a match in this in this last episode. <laughs> did you hear about Did you hear about the sequel series? Okay, take it takes place in Alaska. Do you want to know what it's called? Take a guess. You're not looking at the screen, so you don't know that he's had his video off for the last thirty seconds. I know he's got the hat on. 
I know I've been black hatted. He doesn't want to know that. He doesn't want to know the answer to the. Well, you're either going to say it or you're not. But okay, I'm going to save it for. I refuse later. to be part of this. I'm going to okay. save it for later. I'm because later, it. later should make a lot more sense. Yeah, that's that's what funny. When he when he when he drops it in arbitrarily, that's when it'll really hit. <laughs> well, trust me, I, I will find a good place for it. Okay, because of a uh, a phone uh, relationship that I'm having with a friend of mine, where we watch stuff together via phone because of covid i ended up i watched most of the first season and and subsequently the only season of a netflix show called spinning out about figure skating never heard so that was a, that was when i skipped over because wow. <laughs> I, I was like i don't know if i'm telling these guys about that because yeah here we are <laughs> yeah yes. i did it i did <laughs> i was and that's enough i braved it out you know and then I've, i i actually started watching uh uh downton abbey again out of sheer boredom so I am. You really can't find the, anything else to watch that you're it's not. It's not watching. a. It's it's not about like finding new things to watch. It's okay. comfort fiction. All right. It's about watching something that you're comfortable Fair with. Right. Listen, then, I have no know. room to talk on my third watch through of The Mentalist, so I get it. No, all right. I can't watch season three of The Expanse again. All right, I can't <laughs> do it again. So, there you go. That's my uh, consumption. But uh, that will be uh, that will be the end of our consumption. So, uh, so Alex's main film pick, The Godfather, part two. If anything in this life is certain, if history's taught us anything, it says you can kill anyone. Is it worth it? My father taught me many things here. He taught me... Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. This is the business we've chosen. I don't feel I have to wipe everybody out, Tom. Just my enemies. From 1974, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, with a running time of 202 minutes. Yes, folks, that's three hours and 22 minutes. In this direct follow-up to the Best Picture Oscar-winning The Godfather, and essentially both a sequel and a prequel, we watch as Al Pacino's Michael Corleone attempts to expand and legitimize his family empire following the events of the original film, intercut with flashbacks to a young Vito Corleone played by and as an immigrant laying the foundations of that empire from the early 1900s forward. Alex, why'd you pick The Godfather 2? Besides the fact that it's generally considered one of the best American films. Yeah, I mean, I guess everyone (laughs) loves it. But but for me, I mean, The Godfather's had a huge influence on me just as a writer and a fan of crime fiction. I I read the book probably way younger than I should have, around eight or nine. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'd say it was a mistake, but it worked out pretty well, I think. Um, (laughs) So I remember reading that. And uh, if people remember... uh, the book is basically Godfather one and two. It's got all the flashback stuff that's in Godfather two, plus the main story of Godfather one. The new material is the like uh, pre- quote unquote present stuff with Michael yes. uh, and the Corleones in Vegas. Um, 
and I'm a sucker for darker sequels, you know, the empire strikes back, Godfather two, like things that, you know, Godfather one ends on a, I don't want to say a happy note, but it ends on a note of Mike, Michael ascending, whereas Godfather two ends on a note of darkness. You know, he's making, he's made the darkest choice of his life and he's definitely on the decline. Um, you know, empire strikes back ends on that note of, you know, you know, Luke and his friends are in trouble. There's no way that they can climb out of this hole, whereas Star Wars is victorious and they've had this momentous victory against the Empire and things are looking good. Um, I, I love stories that are about gray areas and, you know, making difficult choices. Um, and there's just so many unforgettable scenes. The scene with Fredo in Las Vegas, the the closing argument with Michael and Fredo, um, Vito, young Vito choosing to take the life of the, uh, you know, the neighborhood um, black hand boss, you know, which is a precursor to the mafia, the modern mafia. Um, you know, it just comes together so well and it never feels that long. It feels much more epic and much more daring than the first one. And the first one's a masterpiece. I mean, I think, but it also feels very regal and very kind of, um, you know, it follows an arc. There's a narrative. There's a few twists. Like I think if, if you're coming into the movie blind, you probably think Sonny is going to take over and become the boss. And when he gets, yeah, I guess we can just spoil everything. It's you, the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who hasn't seen the Godfather by now, yeah, yeah, that's, by now. that's on you. Um, but for yeah. me as a kid, I was so blindsided when Sonny got killed because I thought, you know, the natural succession is for him to take over. Right. Um, but when you watch part two, there are some, it just feels a lot, denser and i think kind of like shows like the wire you know is the the best example that comes to mind but you have to pay attention you can't just watch it like while you're doing something else you have to really be immersed in it and uh it's the kind of movie i go back to and i get something every time i see it um and the performances are amazing it's just it's top to bottom it's just my favorite film i could watch it if i stumble upon it on the tv i'll have to sit and watch it so i'm locked in (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't seen this in a while, so it was it was fun to rewatch this again and with uh, a little bit more studied eye uh, that that I look at films with now, especially stuff that I watched or haven't seen for a long time. And uh, yeah, this was this was like you said. I mean, it's for three hours and twenty two minutes. I mean, with an with an intermission break. Yeah, uh, this thing this thing moves right along. Uh, and I, I found it interesting when I started looking into this. Apparently, originally his original cut of the movie they were jumping back and forth between the two timelines a lot more often. Mm-hmm. And on the, on a, on the test showings of the film, they found that people were getting confused by all the jumping back and forth. Yeah. So he went back in and re-edited and made those like more, I guess, more logical breaks between the, like the little scenes of, the, of what was going on in their timelines. And they made the, how long they stayed in a timeline much longer, which yeah. I think overall makes a lot more sense. I mean, listen, you've got three hours and 22 minutes to fill. And I didn't, you know, one of the things I was hoping to find when I got started digging into this was I hope it's someone, I'm sure someone has somewhere. I just didn't find it. If someone's gone back in and said like how much of the movie is the old storyline and how much of the movie is the new stuff. I think, now, it means, uh, I think it leans in favor of the old stuff. Yeah. Well, I found that somewhere said that, that, uh, um, that De Niro's only on screen for 46 minutes. Oh, wow. I am wrong. And, it, and if you throw in that little bit at the beginning and him getting to Ellis Island and all that, I mean, all told, that would maybe be an hour of it. I mean, I guess. But I mean, that's, you know, like I said, that's just taking the word of, you know, somebody else's write up. But uh, I was I was hoping that was going to to find that. 
there is there's so much going on in this movie like you said there is and i can see where repeat viewings of this would be beneficial because i have a feeling that there's a lot of other things going on in the backgrounds of scenes people there you would notice um things that jumped out at me is you know right away you know and it's funny now looking at stuff like this because you'll see like people who just show up in, in, in like older coppola films who you know now well-established guys so it's like like some of the unnamed senators who were asking questions during the senate hearings one of them was roger corman and <laughs> uh, and one of them was richard matheson um and then there were a couple other screenwriters of the time who also just had like let's literally that was like their little they had a bit part as you know senators sitting in that row and that's you know, that's all they Lee had Strasberg. yeah lee Strasberg was you know he came out of retirement to do this mo- yeah. to do this film um, and he wasn't originally supposed to be uh, of ailing health during the movie, but he got sick. And so uh, uh, Francis just changed the script and just made it so that he was sort of like constantly being sort of like he would made him like sick and, you know, ailing as he was going through so that he could just play him that way. Robert De Niro moved to Sicily. Uh, for three months and learned Sicilian because he only he only has 17 English words in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Every every other bit of his dialogue is all in sp- spoken in Sicilian, um, which I didn't even notice as I'm watching the movie. I didn't even realize it when I read that. I'm like, wow, he doesn't have any English speaking yeah. any, any speaking material in there. That's kind of crazy. Um, and he was supposed to be, you know, he was originally tried out for the first one, and Coppola was going to give him a small role, and then ended up not happening but after he saw him in mean streets then he was like all right i gotta i gotta find something for him in this so uh there's a lot of great stuff about um uh just like the uh the the background of this and and we'll get into some of that stuff but i want to uh i want to hear i'm sure that both latham and hassan have both seen this before so uh i'm gonna go uh hassan why don't you go first uh there's no way to really objectively watch this movie especially as you know as as enormous as it is and as many times as i've seen it even though i haven't seen it as many times as some other of my favorite movies it's not a particularly giant favorite of mine though it is not a not a favorite it's just not it's it's just um a three and a half hour movie is hard a movie to just toss in you know (laughs) yeah yeah it's like yeah i'm just gonna I'm just going to leave. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm going to watch all three Lord of the Rings movies today. Cause yeah, you know, <laughs> and I did see it with the U and D. Um, and one at a, at a movie theater a couple of years ago, we went to, we went up to go see it. It was, it was playing. I don't know if you went, I meant, I might've gone with Deirdre. Oh, okay. And then we met up with you after because then I went and bought it at the blockbuster. Oh, that's funny. Like or at the Best Buy, like, like that same day I bought the, I bought the copy that I watched, uh, did you come with where they was it playing at the uh the, the theater in Suffern? Yeah, probably that really yeah. small place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um That's and <laughs> I remember going to see it and I'm like, I, I guess I could go see the Godfather too. Why not? No. <laughs> and I'm in the theater and I'm like, holy shit, this movie's long. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I hadn't I I'd never seen any of them in the theater. That was that was the right. first time I had seen, you know. Um there's nothing really negative you can say about this. It's it's it beautifully done. It's beautifully filmed. Um, it's very orange though. It's very heavy orange to it. Um, there's a there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of camera 
um, there's a lot of color coding for the film to, to kind of, you know, cheat warmness, the warmness of Nevada, the, you know, the warmness of, you know, various uh, other places. Also in, uh, in Corleone, you know, where, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's also orange and very dusty. They make sure that there's every, every time they walk, every time they do something, there's, you know, dust is kicked up. So you, so you kind of know you're not in America. I don't know why that cheats not in America, like the foreign soil, soil kind of situation. But it does it does kind of tell you that they're you know they're in the countryside in a foreign country and you know um, so it, uh, there's a lot of visual beauty there. It's, it's just too much to unpack. It's a, it's masterfully done. Um, me personally, how I feel about the film in and of itself, I really don't have a critique of the film. It does get the, the machinations get a little annoying after a while, but that's with every one of these. It's where every every crime drama, you know, like like uh, a crime dynasty kind of dramas, where you know no one's really safe from the from the boss. <laughs> Everyone's got to be on their p's and q's, you know. Um, everyone eventually is going to be fucked over for the for the for the greater glory of whatever this thing is that we're trying to to keep going. So the wife. The sister, everybody. So you know everybody, and then uh, you know inevitably everyone's going to try to break away and be impertinent, and they're you know they try their little rebellious thing, and then they're just going to come scurrying back, or they're going to get fucked over so bad that they have to come back. His sister <laughs> specifically comes to mind, um, and you know, so so you often wonder like like the, the whole uh, Fredo thing. It's like, come on, dude. You know, like the, the and and unfortunately, this time watching the film, I I know everything about it. So I'm like, dude, just you know, just be weak and stop. You know, like don't try to have your brother killed. You know, I just I just just don't do it. You know, it's just yeah, it's not going to work out. A, it's not going to work out. B, you you don't have the smarts to pull it off. You know, there's a lot of Dunning Kruger going on with uh with Fredo. So there are there are little. There are little plot points and and things that still are highly effective, but they're um, heartbreaking when you see them start to unfold in front of you. And there's you know there's you know these characters are, are barreling towards uh towards their own destruction. And then you know uh, Michael ultimately spoiler for the third one. Michael's ultimately on a path of you know self destruction. Whatever. Whenever they they refer to it uh, in the Sopranos as a spiritual dead end, you know, which is very true. <laughs> Um, it's a it's an amazing movie. I can't really dissect it. I'm I'm gonna be I'm I'm kind of useless to it. It's I don't even. I mean, if someone started to talk to me about it, I would have things that I could that I could highlight. But I mean, from the start to the finish, it, it starts off nice and even. It's it's got a wonderful pace to it. It it doesn't feel like three and a half hours because I checked it when I put it put the disc in because I started watching it this afternoon. I was like, oh, let me just make sure I know exactly how much time I have to. Holy shit, three and a half hours. Like, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But before I knew it, we were, you know, we were at the at the boathouse, you know, the, the infamous boathouse scene towards the, you know, going towards the end. And uh, it was it was almost over. I I think it's a masterpiece. You know, I think the two of them together are a masterpiece. Um I think taken by itself, you don't know what the hell's going on. You know, it just kind of starts right in and doesn't, it doesn't really, uh, 
because you never see Marlon Brando in the film. So you never really know if you didn't know the story, you really wouldn't really put the connection together with De Niro that that's Michael's father, you know, and that's, and it, it's, right. you do get the impression that this was a little, this was a long time ago and that he's also calling himself Corleone or he was, he's dubbed Corleone. So obviously he's connected with the, the main story in some way, but it doesn't, it really just leisurely, lets you figure out okay i'm this is a flashback and you know this i mean other than they're giving you the time and the date in the very beginning but it's just really well done it's an epic you sit down for it you just let it play you let it have its you know have had you know you let it eat your afternoon <laughs> without any protest um you watch it and you notice something brand new that you've never seen before i think it's wonderful you know i really wish i could have you know cut this movie in half and just been like you know what i know a lot of people like this movie but here are 10 or 15 things that i think make this movie suck and i'm gonna roll them off right i don't have any of that i really uh it's like jaws i really don't have anything <laughs> I, I there's nothing i can say about it that hasn't been said and there's nothing i have to say about it that's very negative you know it's a it's, a, it's a good film it's one movie godfather one and two are one long movie. yes Absolutely. You have eight hours to spare and watch them back to back. They flow into each other perfectly. Three's the outlier, but I'll defend three because it's hard to be great compared to two classics, you know? I was going to, in, in, in my, I was going to talk about three a little bit um, because I, again, like one, after I saw the movie in the theater and then I bought it and I, I came home and I started it from the beginning and it took like three days for me to do it. Um, but I went right into three. I've I'd seen three before. My mother, by the way, was an enormous Godfather fan. I mean, just just like me and Star Wars. It was it was with my mom, mm-hmm. so I'd seen them. Just uh, you know, I kind of grew up with them. They're like there's there's somewhat in my DNA. Just how many times she ended up watching them, and we saw three. And she she was one of the 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 few in the proud who really liked three that's like look it's not great but it's good enough you know it's just this is this is the end of the story how can you not you know how how can you not be there for the end of the story and when i watched three again i had the same impression that i could see that you know that coppola was a different filmmaker at that time his his priorities were, were different um al pacino completely different kind of actor at the time he was no less great right but his the 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 his mannerisms his his menace the the quiet like he didn't have he wasn't he wasn't using uh, those kind of qualities um in the third one and it is a sad story about watching someone who was once great decline very slowly and watching others kind of come up and try to take their place there is sofia coppola who is not winona rider and it's yeah. very obvious that she's not winona rider uh, but it's it was a lot without Bobby Duvall, without Robert Duvall in there. Yeah, he's the heart of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there, there is a lot missing by the time we get to that part, and unfortunately, uh, Andy Garcia and uh, and a couple other people just weren't up to snuff just yet. Because I because I think <laughs> I think they became fantastic actors in the aftermath. But at the time, they just they they couldn't fill the void that was that was missing from the other two movies. But it's still I still very much enjoyed it. It's a misunderstood movie. Yeah, it's like the shark from uh, from Jaws. It's it's very maligned and misunderstood. <laughs> you have but uh, uh, yeah. you, you you've not seen Coda. 
I have not. Yeah, I'm saving it actually. I want to see it because I want to. I want to re-engage with it. But um, gotcha. I, I, I like three, so it's you know I'm not who they're appealing to. I think. Right. Yeah, it's a re-edit, right? It's a reshuffling of. Yeah, I was reading up on it, and what he did is he he created a new. He changed the ending in the beginning, and mm-hmm. he uh, did some changed some music cues. He and George a, Lucas did he, very. <laughs> Well, from what I was reading, because I wanted to find out what the actual physical changes were between the films. And honestly, it doesn't sound like there's that much. It, 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 it seemed like a really couple of very minor changes. It's Other, longer, right? He did the same yeah. thing with the Apocalypse Now again. Yes. With the Redux. It's and then very, he's done another cut of it. There's a third uh, cut. What Redux. else is he doing? You know, he might as well. Uh, I think I'll go back and visit my Apocalypse he, Now it's, video. It's, it's his art. He yep. can do whatever he wants, you know. Um, Apocalypse Now is my favorite movie of all time. So, right, so there you you know, I don't, I don't mind if he wants to keep tinkering with it. It's his, it's his art. But um, <laughs> giving you new versions. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, the, the opportunity to watch this three and a half hour monster again. So, thank you, uh, and that's my, that was my full reaction to it. <laughs> Lay, what do you got? Well, yeah, I mean, the first and second movies are both masterpieces. The, I mean, just from a cinema standpoint, uh, as far as a long told story, I don't think there's a better job done by any two movies. Uh, And again, I don't, I don't think the third is that bad either. I think the third is decent. It's not as, not as good as the first two, but it's, you know, it's, it's good enough. Well, I remember seeing it on Christmas day, I believe in 1990 did it come out i have the right year yeah 90 yeah i saw it on christmas day when it came out and it was just it was a weird experience seeing it that in the theater because i had not i just watched the first two right before that um and i had seen goodfellas first earlier in 1990 so that was my template and the unique thing about mob and mafia movies for me is, and the weird thing also in talking about them with other people, you know, a lot of people will stereotypically tell you, oh, they love Goodfellas and Godfather and they love mob movies or whatever. But for myself to like a mob movie or a mafia movie, what, you know, the main theme has to be, absolutely has to be that these people are absolutely awful. They're absolutely awful with, with what they've decided and how they've decided they should go through humanity. So the more a mob movie is romanticized and the more that theme is pushed to the side, that will make me not like a mob movie or a mafia movie. And these Godfather and Godfather 2, you know, they basically show you how, you know, despite all the grandeur and and uh, um, expanse of these people's lives, what they're doing and how they're conducting their lives is a complete and utter joke and how they treat people is a complete joke and how they betray them, their own friends, their families, and they make reasons and have codes that they break constantly. You know, it's, it's one reason why the Sopranos took me a while to like on TV because at first they seem to romanticize it too much. And I didn't like that. And I, I liked it better when by the end you realize what was trying to be said. And there are people who just like mob movies or mafia movies, and they just like the violence in it. And the fact that someone can operate this way and you want to like slap them on the side of the head and say, you're missing the entire point. 
Okay. These are, this is a broken paradigm that existed in the history of the world. And, you know, it still exists in gang culture and other, uh, you know, anything you want to bring up as far as other people, you know, hurting innocent people or hurting other people. And that's, I, I think I see these movies more as just a cinematic milestone with a brilliantly told story. Um, the fact that one and two blend perfectly, despite the years between them, that that impresses me. Uh, the acting is top notch. Uh, I agree with Hassan that the acting is a step down in, in number three. I think that's what he was trying to say with s- certain certain actors. So. You know, these are these are movies that people need to see and hopefully they get the point the director was trying to make with them. And um, that's I would just say that's why I enjoy them is because they put forth a important theme of life that and while they put it while he puts it forth, it's it's done with a uh, just a grand scope of cinema and, and uh, like I said before, writing and stuff. Uh, okay. These movies are hard. Like the, <laughs> the, the big epics are hard. And I know it, I know it sounds like that we're yeah. copping out on it because we've cut some other movies. I'm not copying out. I'm not copying out at all. I, know, I, mean, I'm, I'm, I, I think a lot of people, okay, everyone, but Latham yeah. is copping out. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you didn't, I mean, you had no reaction to what I said. I mean, the, these movies are not, I mean, if you love it, the reason you shouldn't love like Goodfellas because a lot of people like Goodfellas because it's, they love the violence in it. And that's not why you should love Goodfellas or or the Godfather movies. That's not the point. I don't think it's the point. If it's it is, they're, they're all tragedies. Yeah, you know, they're tragedies. Like the end of part three, the original version is a tragedy, and Goodfellas ends on a pretty sad note. Like, absolutely, you know, Henry Hill is forced to go into hiding, and you know, and I think the directors meant, you know, Coppola and Scorsese tried to show what these things were really like. You know, that these guys claim to have a code, and then they kill each other. Right, and that's but see, that's what the thing to me is when I talk to the common person, not like people like us that have seen thousands of movies and have analyzed movies or whatever, they don't, they still take those movies from the romantic side and don't, I I think some people don't get that. They don't get that they're tragedies. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I think it's, I think it's sad because there's so much there if you're getting that. And I, maybe, maybe to you guys, it's obvious, but I don't, I, I think a lot of people um, watch mob movies and mafia movies and some of them wish they were a part of that life and miss the whole hypocrisy of the, of the life that people in that live. I, I don't know that it's uh, it's about loving it for its violence or, or wanting to be part of a part of that world. I mean, sure, I'm sure those people are out there. I don't doubt. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. But uh, I mean, for me, it's just the fact that, I mean, you know, watching as many films as we have, uh, you, you know, a good film when you see it. It's it's not about, you know, for me, you know, I, I'm I'm a I'm the first guy who'll tell you I usually miss themes in movies or what movies they do, what the director is trying to get across to me or anything else. But I also feel like I, you know, clearly I know what I like and, you know, 
for the most kite for the most part i think i can i can spot a, a good film from a bad one and you know for me it's more about was the film successful on that level and you know if, if the other stuff comes through to me uh more's the better i'll get I'll, I'll get clearly i'll get more out of it um but for you know watching mob movies for me it's not about me wanting to be a mobster it's it's really just more about i mean we listen we've gotten very lucky i think that you know there's been a lot of really really well done well made uh films about that world you know uh and you know i think we get spoiled in that thing and i don't i think the bad ones don't get any talk at all so it's like you don't even think you know when people think of mob movies they only think of like the handful of great ones it's not like there's like oh but then there's that 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 whole bunch of really mediocre mafia movies that did exist and it's like you can't even name a mediocre mafia movie because who cares it's like i'll just go watch good stuff I'll just go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Zahn comes up. Zahn comes up with mobsters. mobsters. The, uh, yeah. there's, there's Patrick Dempsey and like the uh, run-of-the-mill ones are pretty good. Like Donnie Brasco, it's a solid mob movie. Donnie Brasco's yeah. a good movie. Actually, you could say it's great. You can make an argument that it's great. Uh, or even like Carlito's Way is a pretty solid mob. I like movie. I, again. I like. I've. I've Carlito's actually, Way is a great movie. I yeah. know. I, should, I love Sean Penn's Afro in that movie. The first time I, mean, I saw him in that film. In terms of like Brian De Palma mob movies, I'd rate it higher than Scarface. You know, on repeat viewings, like Scarface doesn't hold up on repeat viewings for me. I agree. I would. Yeah. I, I would agree with you there. Very comic booky. What What I meant wasn't really about monster movies. I was just talking about like kind of you know seminal movies of your childhood are hard to critique in this in this uh you know in this format yeah you know like like we've we've uh we've been razor sharp about some other movies that are that are seminal but they aren't from our personal experience you know they weren't like great movies of our past our personal past so sometimes it's hard you get a movie like this and it's like okay we're gonna talk about you know, we're going to talk about the Godfather part two. We're just going to, we're just going to go into it. We're going to give you about 10 minutes to talk about it. Right. It's either it's really great and I love it, or I'm going to spend the next three hours talking about it. There's, it's not a really, it's not really a middle ground right. to like discussing it. So I love that you compared it, it to Star Wars though. Sorry to interrupt you. I think there's a lot, <laughs> it is, there's a lot well, of truth there. Yeah. It's a, it's an epic, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a monster epic. Oh, very much it's, so. It, it's one of the first epics. It was it predates uh um the modern, you know, like the, the purposeful you know, three and a half hours sit down. Although this this uh podcast has revealed to me that a lot of movies from the fifties just 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 <laughs> leisurely took two and a half hours to get, you know, to get its job done. Yeah. But um you know, this this it, it's it's a but not only because it's a big movie, because we've seen big movies. We've seen long movies that, you know, for, in this format. But big movies from your past, from your childhood, whether or not it, you loved it, it's made an impression on you. It's very hard to be objective about it. You know, it's hard to be like, yeah, well, you know, it's like it's, <laughs> it's not like Roadhouse. Like, I love this movie, but I know it's crap. You know, you can't you can't just easily. <laughs> Uh, cut into it so for me personally i'll just speak for myself these these kind of movies are, are difficult if we if we ever did uh star wars um same as when we did jaws it's it's very hard for me to go yeah you know the the push in 
in you know on on uh, in Act Three on in, you know the, the, with the third can I can't you know I can't cut it down will- to that I I could talk to you about Jaws for about four hours, but yeah. that would be us going back and forth. That I can't you know I can't really you know give you a, a momentary play by play on anything like that. I I did if I didn't like Godfather Two, it would be different. If I was like I watched it again. And I don't know what the hype <laughs> is. So I, you know, yeah, I you know, I'd be able to be like that. But I I, I like it. I I you know, it's a very good movie. I, I tell you the one thing I noticed this time around was I I I was mesmerized and I actually stopped it, backed it up, and watched it again because I I wanted to time it out. The scene when they're in Cuba and they're all out at dinner and you know, and Fredo and he introduces Fredo to Johnny Ola and he's like, Oh, have you ever met him before? And he's like, No, and he's like, and then the senator asks him, like, how you find this place? And he goes, oh, Johnny Ola took me here a long time ago and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And, and, and Michael's just in the back behind, like three feet behind him. And you just see his face just drop. And there's a, there's a 20 second hold on his face that you're just like, that's the movie right there. That's the that's the whole turning point of that thing. And he realizes that that's what happened. That's how that all came about. And he's like, uh, there is there is an there is an annoying angle about the the film that you can pretty much tell. It's like flipping a switch whenever someone stepped wrong in front of Michael Corleone. Right. And the only thing that really pisses you off while watching is how come the guy in the room can't tell that he's just put his foot. In his own ass, you know, just now. Because it's Fredo. Yeah. Not, well, not Fredo, <laughs> yes, but I mean, it happens with a, a, a number of other people. Yeah. Like, they've, you know, everybody, you know, even the senator who's <clears throat> who's the general in, uh, in Apocalypse Now. Um, you know, like, he's, you know, he's like, oh, you greaseball. Like, who? Like, I get it. I get posturing, and it's fine. It doesn't mean that this movie is, that this movie has done anything wrong, but I don't get posturing when you don't know where you are and you don't know what you're doing. Right. He was, he was the big fish in Las Vegas. Yeah. So he felt yeah. that he would, no one was going to come in from New York and put and push him around. And he was, right. the, he was the big deal. It. But it's just, so it's just one of those things. Like you don't know the lay of the land. You do not know the strength of these people. You're going to well, be in there and you know, mouthing off, he learned, you know, in his face <laughs> and then going to get racial with them. You know, it's like, well, wow, yeah. dude, honestly, just like, just take the measure of him, you know, because I mean, whatever, whatever, Corleone was going to do because the senator was bent anyway. Clearly, whatever yeah. Corleone was going to do was probably going to be mutually, uh, you know, beneficial to both of them in, in a criminal aspect. So just listen. Yeah, well, you know, had, but, it, but every numbers. and every time they do it, and my and, and Pacino just his, you know, all of his emotion just drains out of his face, and his, he goes into deadpan stare. And I'm like, how come nobody knows that they're in danger right now? Like yeah. nobody in this room. And it happens like four times. Well, all the movie. other guys knew. They're all just like, well, yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> uh, this guy's pretty much just, hey, look, here's a death warrant. You should sign this. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah, do, us, a pen. do us a favor. You know, yeah. Cut out the middleman. Just sign it for us. So yeah. we could just get to, we could get to act three. Some, uh, some uh, interesting tidbits about this. This is the first and one of only two sequels that have ever won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Wow. Yeah, Latham? I know the other one. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you know the other one? Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. And then uh, the other interesting, ah, thing another was, epic. Yeah, another yeah, exactly. Uh, well, well, it was because the first two got snubbed. Honestly, is why they gave it to the third one because like, oh, the both of them were nominated though. 
Um, so the WGA rules dictate that a film sequel cannot be nominated for best original screenplay by definition. So even if a film's, even if a sequel's entire script is brand new, it cannot be nominated for, it has to be nominated for adapted screenplay. That's dumb. Interesting. That's why Borat 2 got nominated for best screenplay or best adapted screenplay. Couldn't there you go. figure that out until right now, this moment. There you go. Um, yeah. So uh, John Cazale appears in only five films, which I didn't, I didn't realize that until this, uh, all of them involved Al Pacino, Robert De Niro and or Coppola. So <laughs> he was yeah, dog day uh, afternoons. Fantastic. Yeah. I wonder what else he did. I wonder what he did for a living, but before he got into this, you know, where he'd show up and act for, you know, he acted five times in these, in these films and then was like, all right, I guess I'm done. He died young, right? He died very young. Oh, okay. That, well, that, that would, that would explain no. it. <laughs> He died in 1978. So yeah, he started started <laughs> acting and then he died. And then, and then he That's ran out story. of um, life. Um, so so James Kahn uh, asked to be paid the same amount of money for his appearance in the flashback scene at the end of the movie as he was paid for the entire first Godfather film. And he got it. <laughs> shot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and, okay. uh, and Marlon Brando was written into that scene and he just didn't show up. <laughs> apparently he got, he apparently the, uh, the board at Paramount pictures uh, had managed to annoy him in some way. <laughs> so uh, even though he was scheduled to show up for that shoot that day, uh, he blew it off. And so Coppola just rewrote the scene to where he would just come in off, off screen. You know, everyone leaves the room. I think it works honestly a little better that way anyway, where everyone leaves the room and leaves him alone again at the table. I mean, it's obviously they're just kind of beating a dead horse with that at the end, but, uh, it would have been cool to see him one more time. Yeah, it would have been. And 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 one of the things that uh, I was reading that the Coppola said that he wanted to bring him back uh, for Godfather Two because he was he felt that Brando could have played. He could have he stood have killed would have could have still appeared as himself as a young man in the movie. I think that would have been a little bit of a push, but um, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. So. Uh, uh, he Coppola didn't want to make this. He uh, he had a notoriously rough time, especially with Robert Evans making this movie. And so Paramount Pictures, after the success of The Godfather, apparently gave him a Mercedes Benz limousine and then said, we want you to make the second one. And he's like, I'm not doing the second one. He goes, he's, you should hire Martin Scorsese to do the second one. <laughs> and uh, and the executive said, no, we're not doing that. We need you to do it. And so he said, fine, here's what I want. <laughs> it's a great spot to be in. <laughs> he said, I, w- I want 300,000 red M&Ms in a, in a, <laughs> in a Ziploc bag. In the carved out head of a uh, <laughs> Mongolian ape. Um, so he wanted, <laughs> he wanted, uh, he said that he wanted to be allowed to direct his own script for the conversation. He yep. said that he wanted to be allowed to direct a production for the San Francisco Opera and that he'd be allowed to write the screenplay for the 1974 film, The Great Gatsby, all prior to production of the sequel and for the 74 release. He wanted to, he's like, let me do all this first, then I'll make your movie. And they're all like, OK, here you go. So 
The opera thing is a weird oh, ask. Like, talk about like blowing one of your genie wishes. <laughs> right. You know, on that, well, then he goes and starts a winery and disappears for the next 20 years. So, I mean, yeah. you know, whatever works for him. Um, I, I mean, I think when he did three, he was definitely coming out of a, a creative low point. I, I, yeah. I, you know, he just had a few bombs under his belt and came back to the, uh, the Godfather as a reset. Um, wasn't, wasn't one from the heart one of his? No. Or, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was somewhere in there. Uh, apparently, Al Pacino was causing all sorts of problems through production, demanding massive salary and heavy script rewrites, uh, uh, frequently complaining of, of, of Coppola's shooting, shooting pace. And he kept screaming that, uh, that Serpico only took 19 days <laughs> to shoot. <laughs> I guess, uh, and also the Frankie Pentangeli character was supposed to be Clemenza, but yes. Clemenza wanted more money. So, yep. yep. The actor that played Clemenza. It just would have worked out so a little bit tighter. Not that it matters. Like you assume that Pentangeli was just another guy they knew, but it would have had more weight, I think, if it had been Clemenza. And you know what's funny is if you don't, if you haven't seen or don't know the, the movies so well, mm-hmm. um, but you've seen them and know the characters, when you, if you haven't seen the first one for a while, when you watch the second one, he just comes across as someone you just assume was in the first film anyway. And you're just yeah. so you like, there's that connection yeah, is not him. There's no, well, yeah. The there's like, Oh, he was probably was like, there. Did I miss this guy in the first one? And I went back and I was like, he's not in there at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, that's the, that's the Godfather too. It's, it's hard to go wrong. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it was, I was really fun to rewatch. Uh, tremendous. That's... So so real quick, Alex, well, b- before I let you go, <clears throat> what we like to do is have a, a quick thing called the at the end called the martini, where we discuss uh, the body of work by the essentially by the director of your main film choice, which would be one one Francis Ford Coppola um, and kind of get your kind of get your take on his films and kind of what your favorites are. Uh, OK, well, Godfather 2 is obviously my favorite, but right. um yeah, Apocalypse Now probably is yes. yeah, probably my <laughs> I, I have a real I love the conversation. I think the conversation is an underrated classic. I, I mean, maybe among film buffs it's talked about, but I think it's just a a perfect 70s film, just quiet and contemplative, but also really thoughtfully made. Um in terms of his later stuff, Godfather Three is really what stands out for me. I I, I know he's put together a really, I guess eclectic body of work towards the end not the end but you know towards his um latter half of uh production but um i'm I'm not really as familiar with his indie work you know his recent indie work because he's been making wine as well <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah i always for there's it's funny there's a lot of movies in his catalog that i they're the movies that you think of and then you're like you completely forget that he directed them like yeah like the cotton club you know oh yeah i've been meaning to rewatch that too because it feels like an unheralded like something that should be great gardens of stone yeah tucker that movie he did a grisham book the rainmaker the rainmaker he did right Uh, dracula anybody another dracula is one of my favorite films of all time yeah one of not the he's he's got a, a peggy sue got married you know and that's you know that's once you get away from rumblefish and outsiders Right. No, there's just there's just a lot of stuff back there. You the Outsiders that- is a crazy, crazy piece of film. <laughs> yeah. like, it's a, like the book itself is, you know, is okay. 
but yeah. the film itself is like, how many people are in this goddamn movie? You know, <laughs> how many how many superstars are in this freaking film? That and Taps. If you watch Taps, oh like yeah, how many people just come out of the scenery? Like, yeah. holy. Lay thoughts on uh, Coppola's body of work. Uh, my favorite film of his is Tucker by far. I like oh. it better than both Godfathers. Don't I don't think, think I've wow. ever seen it. I think it's brilliant. Oh it's wow, perfect, really? Perfect movie. That's yeah, a it's... really great movie about. Uh, I mean, it's uh, ostensibly a true story, and it's uh, it's it's a, it's a great it's a great story. Um, yeah, it's heartbreaking of you know when you get to, yeah. to the end of the story about some really, visionary who's yeah, trying to get his life you know, off the ground and it, you know all the had so many amazing that. ideas and it was totally just basically destroyed by an industry that was like tesla that there, well <laughs> there you go there's been there's certainly not an original story that's for sure no no but uh, i mean but yeah but it but yeah Tucker, it's Tucker's real a, tucker's a great film yeah it's, it's um, awesome uh yeah, there's he still a lot of his stuff any, that I haven't seen. He doesn't have any bad, like really bad, bad movies that I've I haven't seen a bad movie of his, like one that I would put below like three stars. Honestly, I haven't seen. I've only seen eight of his movies, but I've liked every one of them. Yeah, I'm trying to see three, four, of five, his older stuff. Six, seven, oh, that's, you see, I always forget he did Dementia Thirteen. Yeah. I haven't seen that. He always gets he he gets a lot of grief for Indians the movies Rainbow? in in their contemporary time. Like I do remember a, a lot of grief being given to Dracula when it first oh, came yeah, out. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean and and then uh maybe 10 unfortunately this is his shelf time like 10 20 years later people are like this is an amazing movie, you know, and the consensus on his films change very drastically. But he does get after Godfather, I think Godfather and Godfather Two are his his uh his contemporary triumphs, like where he got the the accolades for the movie the as the movie was new, you know, as opposed to these other uh, some of these other like sort of indie feeling movies that kind of come in under the radar, and then you discover them and you're like, this is also great, you know, but nobody's <laughs> talking about any of them because even Apocalypse Now wasn't well received when it came out you know wasn't wasn't tremendous yeah Hmm. god he was an executive producer on jeepers creepers how is that possible i mean that just means he's signing a check though you know no i know but still it just seems crazy that couple is not a he's not a day player (laughs) he's not he's not fly by night guys he's like he's he's a monster He's absolutely a monster. Did you ever see the documentary on American Zoetrope? No. Yeah, I do have a copy of it on my um, uh, THX 1138 DVD. It's an amazing documentary. It's amazing. You guys need to track it down. Okay. Is that that fun? Is that that fancy version of THX 1138 that's got the, the pale blue cover with the head on it? Yes. I think I have a copy of that, actually. It's it's a documentary that comes on that comes with the DVD. If you have that, you do have the documentary. Okay. It's wonderful. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I've actually watched that documentary more than I've watched THX 1130. And there's another documentary well, in yeah. on that on that DVD about THX. So there's yeah. two separate documentaries, you know, about two separate things. Yeah. Um, because George Lucas features heavily in the uh, American Zoetrope yeah. because they, you know them. It's about them going to school together. Yeah. <laughs> 
coming up together and whatever. THX 1138 is a hard watch. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough it's one. Excruciating. It's, it's a anyway, but, but it's the, a slog, but the, as Walter would say. But there's a documentary on there. Two yes. really wonderful documentaries on him. Which okay. is basically all I'm saying. I will, I will go into. <laughs> well, that I will not relitigate THX eleven thirty eight. Someone's gonna pick it. Someone's gonna pick that and Stalker. <laughs> oh my god! I got my. I already got my sword ready. My knives are sharp. Come at me. Come at me. They pick Solaris or, or Stalker. There's gonna. I'm gonna be nasty. That's all I'm gonna say right now. I will be unforgiving and nasty over those. Uh, well, there you go. That's what you need to uh, pick next time you come on, Alex. Is, there uh, you go. Yeah. If you want well, Lathan to be nasty to you, then... a Vogue skirmish. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I'm a, uh, I'm a very very bitter Madonna fan. So. That's a... That's my my that's my dynamic with Latham. Yeah. We just we just go back and forth at well, each other. Yeah. Our dynamic what, is he says something, about? I say something, and then I end up being right. That's how it goes. <laughs> and he doesn't like it. So then it goes on even further. Then he puts up. the black hat up. And then, what you shoot up? and then we start over. <laughs> I never like you, and I hate your face. <laughs> and then and then the guest says why did i come on the show yes that is that is typically how every <laughs> show ends. Here. like what the hell That's either that or the guest pick. Pick. the Alex, guest decides Alex elicited the argument by picking dick tracy which i love yeah it's his fault. Like two great movies <laughs> pick two great movies thank you alex thanks so much for coming on man oh, man this was fun i appreciate so you appreciate you hanging out with us for a little He's bit <laughs> no, this was fun guys this was really great uh, uh see you see, so see so soon <laughs> uh listen congratulations on the new gig uh enjoy your time off and uh, thanks, i will definitely i'm sure i'll uh, talk to you on the other side yeah we'll talk soon thanks All guys right. take oh, care thanks, out, man. Alex. Bye. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of our past episodes. And don't forget to download, subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always enjoy, you can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. You're allowed to enjoy them too, but I mean, you can listen to them yeah. there. And I mean, please, I, I mean, I hope you enjoy them. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Congress III, Alex Segura Jr., and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and tragic mafia Don, Truben Verbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.